Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squad Games Podcast. My name's Giacomo, and with me today is Dakota and Mr. Travis Chang. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Mr. Travis Chang about the East Coast scene. Hi, everyone. It's Travis here. Hey, bud. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Travis, can you tell us who you are or a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually originally from the West Coast. I actually recently moved to New York two years ago, right at the height of the COVID pandemic, and stayed inside just like everyone else for the first year. And then once I started going outside, the new edition of Kill Team dropped and I started playing. It was way better than Kill Team 18. And I also started running tournaments in my local scene. So that's how I kind of got involved starting with this edition. I definitely agree with that. It is better than the last one. It does definitely does take a couple of games to get used to, but I definitely agree. I do have a question. How long have you been playing like Warhammer or just Kill Team in general? Oh man, I started playing in fourth edition. I was a Tau player back then. My only opponent was a Necron player, basically, and I just got shellacked day in and day out because resurrection orbs and fish of fire and hitting on force is just a mess back in fourth edition. And then I took a break, uh, went to college, played mostly Magic the Gathering, and then when Kill Team 18 came out, I started playing again, dragged some of my friends back in, and Things slowed down. We played a couple other games, and now Kill Team 2021. I run the tournament scene in my area, so there's a lot of players that come through, and I also compete every now and then. All right. Uh, what What's your favorite army out of all of 40K? It doesn't have to be just Kill Team, just in general. Ooh. I mean, I would. I'm kind of boring. I do like Space Marines, unfortunately. Um, but I tower my yeah, first yeah. Like, big tower my first big like this was the army that I'm gonna play. I was really into Crute for a long time. I actually the first army I built for this edition was actually Crute, and I actually went three zero at a local tournament. I didn't win because I didn't make enough points, obviously. Wow. But I did go undefeated. I think uh, beating the final match was against Compendium Harlequins. It was very very tight. It was blued down to like I think like half like a quarter inch on a Inferno pistol shot to end one of my dudes. So, so now we've got the new crew, which are they're They look, they look fun and good, but not like compendium crew lore. I wanted predators and instead I got super secret mercenaries, but I wanted, I wanted to eat people. Just, there's not, yeah. There's not enough of that. I thought you'd get like a specialized version of a guy who's all bulked out because he's eating a bunch of orcs and then you know, specialized dogs that look different, yeah. like in the lore. I was, I was really hoping for kind of a mix between the gene stealer cults and the blooded where, uh, you use gory feast, so when you get a kill in melee, you eat the dude, you heal a little bit, and then you get like a blooded token, and your guy gets a little bit, bit of a buff. I think that would have been cool, but instead we got. I mean, it's a good team. I think like the rules all look like they are good. It's just not the lore that I wanted. I wanted to be a bunch of murder birds rampaging through a space hulk, just ripping people in half and drinking the intestines out of them. But there you go. Last edition, I actually played Craft Worlds. And then my very first team that I finished for this edition was also Crute. But I did model like an orc into a Crute. And I did a couple other like nice. cool conversions, like with Admech bits and stuff. So I definitely feel the love with the Crute right here. Yeah. I mean, I my first, the team that I took to Kill Team Open that I won with was a Pathfinders list that I got cheap on eBay because it was like $35 for the sprue when it came yes. out. So I just picked it up and was like, you know, I'll just build this team. But I also threw in a bunch of crew. So like in my list, I have like four crew and I have one human, a Guevessa. So my, I, I have the greater good pathfinders for sure. They're also like synth waves. So they're bright blue and pink. 
All right, it's an interesting color choice. I like that. It's very bold, very like in your face colors. It's like a neon yeah. pink or like maybe like a carnation. Um, it's pretty pink. It's like pretty bright pink. It's like bright pink on top, blue in the bottom, and then their bases are kind of like a grid pattern. So mine are mine are red with uh, yellow beaks and blue hair. Nice. Yeah, my crude are poison dart frog crude. So they're like bright orange, bright blue, and then like bright white and red. Red and white. Yeah. So there's like two different tribes of crude. And then my Crutox is uh, the two pairs of colors sitting on top of each other. Man, so the I'd Crutox is like blue-orange, and then the guy sitting on top of the gun is red-white. <laughs> Do you have a place where we can see them? Yeah, yeah I can post a picture of it. I, I have it on my Instagram, I think, so I'll All post right, that yeah, at well, the end. Yeah, um, you know, I definitely want to see that. If you want to let us know where we can find your Instagram at, that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, Trav.Lur. I think it's private, though, so I've got to let me see if I have a picture on there. <laughs> That means you're going to be getting a lot of requests, my friend, to join uh, uh, your, <laughs> your Instagram. Oh, yeah. I've got a, well, I don't have a picture of the crew. I have a picture of the Pathfinder, so that's up there. I'll add a picture of the crew for it, though. So since you've been kind of around the scene in the East Coast, what's it kind of like out there? You know, we're all over out from over here. I've never experienced it. You guys are there. down in L.A., I assume? We're near L.A. in SoCal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, when I was on the West Coast, it was basically I was just playing with my coworkers, basically. And then I never went to San Francisco. There was a really cool game store up on the West Coast in Oakland called Endgame Comics. And it was like a two-story mm-hmm. building. And their rent got jacked up like three times. It like, doubled three times in two years. And they just they just couldn't take it. So they just canceled. So that was my experience in the on the West Coast. Come over to the East Coast. There's, I think there's two healthy shops in New York. And then there's two other shops that there's a small scene growing in. So there's Hex East and West. Um, so that's in Manhattan. And then my shop is at Park Slope called the Brooklyn Strategist. And we have, I want to say like 400 people on the Discord, but probably like 100 people rotate in and out for 40K and Kill Team. And then there's a private club up in Park Slope, which is like 30 minutes away from the Strategist called Carcosa. And that's where one of my teammates plays or two of my teammates have a membership there. So there's a couple stores there. And then in Jersey, I think there's like three or four stores. So there's a lot of stores in the uh, Northeast. And it sounds like the Northeast travels a lot for a lot of tournaments. So it doesn't seem super. It just like seems like that's how it is because there's just so many people in this area. And the transit is good enough where people can get around to other stores. That's very good. It it's, keeps it healthy. It keeps a lot of yeah. new players and it doesn't stay stagnant. Yeah, I've seen um, there's like Battle for Salvation, which is basically like north outside of the city. And that's a 40K tournament. I think they had like 40 or 50 people sign up. Wow. Which seems like a crazy number to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I mean, our locals get anywhere from 12 to 20. I think there was one month where we almost had 22 people. But the most we've had, I think, is 18. And then this next tournament for the New York Open, we're trying to get up to 48. And I think we should be able to get pretty close to it if everyone in the area can come out and anyone who's listening to this, who's in the Northeast and hasn't heard of it, please come on by. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I hope you can hit your goal. Yeah. Maybe even exceed it. That'd be awesome. It's the dream. But yeah, the Northeast seems very, uh, very busy. We've got a couple people that like travel from DC to a couple of the tournaments. Some of the Jersey, a lot of the Jersey guys come over to the, the, the city. So yeah, that's super exciting to hear that it's a uh, super that it's popping off over there in New York and stuff. I do have a question. I know you've been to a couple of events like 
the uh, Kill Team Open, and you just you won that, and you also won, which I think is still currently the biggest in-person game tournament in the world. So congratulations, it's very impressive. But also the Chicago Open that GW ran, um, you also took home the W with that. And I was wondering, is are one of those or a different event that you've actually attended been your favorite event that you've attended so far? I think as far as events attended, both of those were run very well. Like I think times can be a little like timing can be a little bit tight. And I think for my more casual level tournaments, sometimes we're a little bit looser with times just because people are still learning and we don't want to like disincentivize people like really playing. Totally understand. But the GW one was really cool because there's a lot of people there and it was like the scale was really big. So I think between ACO and the Chicago US Open, it was nice to have like tons of people in one room. I think for the Chicago Open, it was split into two rooms. So that was a little bit less fun. I think ACO was probably a little bit more fun in that respect. But it was nice to have everybody in one room playing Kill Team together so everyone could kind of like talk about the game. So they're all good in different ways. Um, I think in terms of setting, though, Chicago was definitely my favorite out of the cities to visit between Baltimore, Atlantic City, and uh, Chicago. Because Chicago is just, there's just more to do. Did you get a hot dog out there? I got a Chicago dog. We ate some deep dish pizza. Yes. Wandered around the neighborhoods. So we did a little bit of everything. It was great. I love that deep dish pizza. It's very good. Giordano's, yeah. man. I know. My girlfriend I know. loves deep dish pizza. <laughs> Uh, do you plan on attending any more West Coast events or like, you know, more coming towards the West, like LVO or anything? I've definitely, I think parts of my team were, are definitely thinking about uh, LVO. It's definitely on our minds. I think right now we, I need to get past the New Mexico Invitational Tournament that I won the ticket for. And I'm helping to prep one of my teammates who's going to basically try for a golden ticket coming up. So we got to do some scrims and then we'll deal with it after that tournament, the New York Open, and then we have that tournament. So totally understand busy, that. busy next couple of weeks. Where are they going to compete? Uh, the Kansas City, I think, is the last golden ticket. So I Ooh. think there's a handful of people from the Northeast area that are thinking about going. And I think some of the Chicago people that I talked to, at least one or two of them is thinking about going down to Kansas to do the competition because it's fun. The game is really fun right now. Like As far as board games go, it's really nice to have Warhammer 40k lore but you know have a game that actually works yeah that's what i'm <laughs> i'm i'm pretty excited about the boarding action that one looks pretty fun to me the like fun. the 500 point you know um but i do have a question yeah uh you moving into more of like the tournament area of questions in your experience what type of a kill team or opponent have you kind of struggled against the most because you've kind of uh You've kind of been pretty dominant in most of your performances. To be fair, I think um, a lot of people are still like in the learning phases of the game. So the people that I have the most trouble with are people who know everything, like all the rule interactions. So they're not questioning, like, how does traverse work? How do these doors Mm -hmm. work? How does the mission work? You're really focusing on what does your like what does my opponent's team do that my team can't do and like trying to leverage the strengths of your team against your opponent's weaknesses it's really where like the most exciting games are and not everyone is there like the game is complicated it takes a long time to set up you got to paint your minis and some people don't like they don't want to play minis they don't like so there's a lot of there's a lot of like competing interests as far as the game goes yeah absolutely so i think the people that i've had the most competition with there's a lot of people in new york that i think are fairly good that i 
I, I mean, I still lose in practice games. It's not like I'm winning every every single game. I'm always like trying new things and trying to figure out like what works and what doesn't work. So by the time I get to a tournament, I normally feel pretty prepared. Awesome. Uh, so you used to play Pathfinders. We kind of went over that, but what drew you to Hunterclade? Well, I won a box of Sicarians at Atlantic City Open and then they got buffed. So I was like, well, I guess I might as well build this team because I have the Sicarians, so I didn't have to pay for those. And then I just bought a set of Rangers cheap. So I just had like, it was a nice kill team. It was a nice painting challenge. I got to paint some like bright purple robes and get some metallics and uh, do some patining on the metallic part. So it was just like a fun side project, basically. And the rules, know? the rules got upgraded. So they are much better than they used to be. That was what you got an extra gunner, correct? Right. We got in. Well, it was both an extra gunner. The doctrines got upgraded. So now you don't get the debuffs and you can switch more than once. So before you could only change your doctrine once you would start on like, I'm going to shoot you harder, but I'm going to get debuffs and melee. And then I'm going to switch to, I'm going to melee you harder, but now I get a debuff on shooting. Now the debuffs are gone for the very first turn that you activate them. You get an extra dude. So instead of 10 dudes, you get 11 dudes. And then one of those guys can be the big base models who are basically just as good as a space Marine in melee. They just have 10 wounds and two, like two actions. So it was like a very large buff as far as buffs go. So if they wanted to tone it down, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up toning it down a little bit, but it was a huge buff as far as buffs go. Yeah. Cause I definitely played against a couple Hunter clade at a few events and they're, they're pretty hardy, you know, like they, they, they can take a hit from a space Marine. Yeah. They will. Yeah. If you, the Sicarian gets a charge on a space Marine, they will beat the space Marine most of the time, or at least oh. the old space Marines intercession space Marines are definitely better. So in round three at Chicago, my opponent, saw me take rending blades on my three rust stalkers and she put on tilting shields which is yeah only crits only sixes or crits i was like oh my god my guys are like worthless (laughs) 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 luckily for me she didn't roll any crits on her chart so she was running um duelist which is if you have a crit you can double parry with the crit and then she also had aggressive so it's when she charges she has rending so on odds, she should have hit one crit, at least one crit throughout the game. She never hit a single crit in any of the melees that she started, which was which was rough. I tr- I did charge a bunch of times, but, you know, dice game is a dice game. So, yeah, my my favorite method of intercession squad is actually a stealthy and rapid. Those are my two favorite uh, to just starting going with. Yeah, it's for me, it's probably. I think Methodical is quite good, especially in, on In the Dark, because it triggers on Overwatch, on Injury. It like it does a lot of stuff, and it's consistently doing a lot of stuff. But then after that, I think it's like way more variable. I think Stealthy is great, and then the other options in that tree are pretty good. Rapid is good, and the other options on that tree are also good. It's really just like the defensive one that I think is kind of... It's good, it's consistent, but you already have one that's consistent. You might as well one that gives you more flexible options. And I think like plus one wound is whatever and minus one crit is good, but it's boring yeah, <laughs> and predictable. Totally agree. So the, you, you did play on a bunch of into, into the dark terrain. I, I presume at the GW event. How was that? Yeah, we played two rounds on the second day. So it was basically like the, the top cut or it wasn't, everyone played on it, but it was the, the higher skill level games for the day effectively. Um, and they were, they were fun enough. I, do find the lack of terrain kind of weird it makes some of the rooms way more of a shooting lane that you would expect 
from being on a Space Hulk. So, for example, one of my my final opponent was playing Pathfinders. If I had played him on the first round, it would have been much, much harder because that was Junction Assault, which is basically two long boxes and three hallways, and you're trying to control the one of the halves of the room. And if I had to play him on that map, it was basically just like all shooting lanes. I probably could still outshoot him because I hit on threes and he's, he's hitting on fours, but it would have been it would have been a different game, right? Whereas yeah. the map we played on was Exposed Trove, which is you have to make two L-shaped turns before you get into two boxes that you can't get to on the first turn unless you're a forward deploy, which is also a really big Hunter Clade tool. And then there's like a split in the middle. It's just very awkward. And like Pathfinders are going to have way more problems when there's a ton of right turn angles. And that was part of one of the reasons why I didn't take them on a, in the dark. Uh, the tournament I actually ran right before I went to Chicago for the Chicago Open, we actually got nine boards out. So 18 people got to play all the missions. And as far as missions go for on in the dark, Mysterious Signature 2.3 is just a terrible, terribly written mission. <laughs> It's one where you can roll a die and then all the objectives go away and you just have the objective that's worth four points in the backfield. That, is, that, is that mission is, yeah. So any, <laughs> any TOs listening to this, don't put it in the packet. It's not, nobody had any fun playing that mission. Every time someone played on it, they were like, it'd be nice if we got to play the game. <laughs> I had I had one of the players who's, he's a great dude. He only makes it to like one or one out of every three tournaments and he hasn't done that well in the past. He's been playing Hunter Clay the whole time. Post buff, he's like, really feeling it gets 2-0 like hard games he gets to the third round against breachers and his opponent rolls on the first roll of the six and just scoops the objective he's like no, i really wish i could have no. played that game and i was like i was sorry <laughs> i didn't mean for it because it's our first tournament i'm just gonna put everything in just so we can try it but yeah that's never a that's never the way you want your tournament to run is your opponent rolled one six because they did the mission what's your favorite into it. what's your favorite into the dark mission Oh man, I don't. I've actually even played all of them. I've only played like four of them now, so I don't. I don't really have any strong opinions about it right now. It's okay. just a uh, yeah. Two three is a we're taking that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so far I've played effectively loot and salvage. I played the very first mission, which felt very shooting laney, also. But I think there's some interesting stuff going on with how to open doors and where space stuff, and then um, and junction assault, which I actually think is cool. So junction assault is like a nice twist on seas ground so all right what, what what what's your biggest challenge that you had to overcome as playing hunter clade at the gw event mirror matches oh my god mirror matches are so not fun oh yeah those are rough um actually in round two my opponent was able to there was it was basically this was more in map setup where um we so for the first three games on day one we had one set of terrain that was set up in one layout for all three games and we just rotated missions through it. I don't really like that approach because there are some missions where when you just rotate the map and then set up objectives in a different way, you end up with like very weird shooting lanes. So my opponent had basically it didn't matter really which side it was like my opponent could get onto one corner and see my entire back lane. Not really my favorite. So. I totally get I totally get that. You know, something interesting is that uh, uh Sheldon, he he started to do a uh, a rendition of the arena packets uh the old arena boards into into the dark which is pretty fascinating i have 3d arena boards um that i made myself and nice. i used to love arena but i haven't got to play the new stuff uh, and spain is all over it right now because i mean it's just so much easier to transport right rather yeah. than all the and cheaper uh what what are your thoughts on that 
I think it sounds cool. I don't, we don't, we have exactly one set at my local store. So I really, I'm just not going to have a chance to play those anytime soon. Yeah, I get that. But if you have it, I don't think that the rules really change all that much. If you use the arena terrain, I would probably just not use the scatter. If you're trying to replicate the feel of the current in the dark mission packet, Uh because there's just, is absolutely no terrain on those boards. Got it. It's yeah, like it's pretty every much room just... is completely barren. So like all of the crates and barrels and stuff, I would just take them out. If it's you're trying to weird. get that that level of practice, um, yeah, it just doesn't do anything for that. Gotcha. But I, I think it makes perfect sense to use it that way because I think it would. I think it'll be. I think it'd be fun. I don't actually think there'd be any real issues except the doors not turning into cover might. I mean, that would be a little bit different, but I think functionally you would get a very similar play experience. Now, you had mentioned earlier that Pathfinders don't do so great on Into the Dark, but would you be willing to play them again just in regular Kill Team? I was actually debating on bringing them for the mixed boards for this. So I think Pathfinders are probably the best team on open boards, as far as I can tell, because you have access to really good guns replaceable models or not replaceable but like every model has a good gun so you're not really worrying about damage it's really about target priority and getting your opponents like specific key pieces out of the game and they're really good at that with marker lights um it's really hard to it is possible to beat them if you have elites you have to spend the first couple activations fully on conceal sucking up marker lights and then getting into heavy cover so if there's not enough heavy cover it's it's probably almost impossible to beat pathfinders right now but if there is a normal amount of heavy cover, which is probably like six pieces of heavy terrain, three to four vantage points with like a, like the cover, like the Octarius L-shaped cover walls, it's definitely doable, but you have to play around it. And then probably the most important thing is moment someone does Montcaw, you're, it, the whole turn should just be either getting two-for-ones or just not having a model get traded. So once they're out of Montcaw, the team kind of runs out of mobility and runs out of actions because you need marker lights to be able to get kills. But if you let them kill three models on Monka, you know, it's not, it's not great the next couple of turns because their weakness is they have recon and they need to spend actions to do triangulate vantage plant signal beacon and all the other stuff. And if you can run away and stop them from scoring overrun on, on the Monka turn there, there is room to beat them, but you have to play around them like very specifically. That makes sense. Sorry, that was a, that was a long. <laughs> no, that was there. that was a good one. Uh, that is usually how I feel when I'm playing against them. They're they definitely have every possible way to get rid of an opponent, even hordes. Like they just they can trade really well, and I yeah. I, I hate it. <laughs> I think um so one so one of the teams so one of the strategies that has worked against friends who are learning Pathfinders is um, just like an example of something that does work is having a Phobos Marine with grav shoots. It's like a Reaver with grav shoot doing the 14 inch charge on turn one into the back line and then just bolt pistoling a dude with an AP one bolt pistol. And then having that break the enemy's momentum up. Cause you can have them start on conceal, take a couple marker lights, have that dude finish to charge, kill two dudes, and then have the other Marines start moving up into aggressive positions for turning point two. But you need to have a plan to approach pathfinders. You can't just like go in like, Oh, I'm just going to like shoot them or play normally. Cause they will just absolutely destroy you. If you, yeah, them. totally a hundred percent. There's a couple teams like that, like Gellerpox is another new team where if you don't play against their strategy, they will just like have a bunch of dudes run into your face and then a Nightmare Hulk comes and just claps two dudes. So you <laughs> like, it's kind of, uh, yeah. So like Wormblade, Void Dancers, Pathfinders, Gellerpox, like 
you need to look at their strategy and play around that strategy. Otherwise, you're going to run into some big issues. Is there any tips that you'd be willing to share to any tournament goers or like people that are specifically competitive minded, like that are, would you, what would you, you know, what would be a tip that you would give them? My biggest tip would probably be to find, get a friend who's willing to do practice rounds with you instead of just playing games. That would probably be my biggest thing. Yeah. So like going over like a specific kind of move and to see if what's the best thing in the scenario kind of thing. The goal when you're practicing is like you're trying to learn how to best play the game. So something that I think happens a lot, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, is like you're playing a game and initiative is super important for how this game is going to go. Maybe as early as turning point two, where if this person who's slightly ahead at the end of turning point one gets initiative, then I kill like two or three dudes and the game is going to be over, right? Yeah. But you don't you don't need to care about what the initiative role is. You can just take that away, give it to the person who's behind and then let them play from behind because it's probably a more useful experience than just like, I'm just going to sit here and get destroyed. Or, you know, you play that first activation, then rewind it back to that and then play out the other timeline. Because really when you're practicing for tournaments, you're, you shouldn't be results-based. You should be like, how should I get better at every single decision along the way? So that would that would be my tip for other people who want to be competitive is play with that frame of mind rather than like, let's just play two games and play as hard as we can and destroy each other. So when you're at a tournament and do you, do you do anything to get like ready for the tournament? Uh, there are some players like who don't eat or do specific things oh, yeah. like, like, I know who you're do you, about. do you, do you listen? Yeah, I know. Right. Do you listen to like, I have the tiger or do you like eat hot dogs right before? Like what is your method of getting into the zone? I've actually been like meditating for the last four years. So I, I just, make oh, sure wow. that I've meditated in the morning. I started taking cold showers like two years ago. So okay, I also right. do, but I don't know how related those are to me doing well in tournaments. They're just things that I happen to be doing. So my advice probably downstream from that is have like a ritual that you, that's internalized for you. You know, some people don't eat. I happen to just meditate in the morning and I try to approach every game fresh and not, trying not to do too many like side strategies i have plays that i know for my team where if my opponent gives me an opening i can do those like those tactics but i'm not i'm not trying to think about anything more than just that game so so you guys heard it here first uh meditate don't eat and i think there's another player take a cold shower cold shower there's also another player here who does uh who goes on like a three mile run every morning before the before so those are the top tips right there yeah if you want to be like us that's what you top, top <laughs> just players. don't just, just be healthy <laughs> just don't do all of them at once because you'll probably faint yeah probably. that does not that does not sound like a winning combination I think I'm just going to chug some beer and eat peanuts beforehand. I think that'll work for me. Uh, so out over there, what's the meta like? Because out here, like for ours in SoCal, we're seeing a lot of chaos. That's like a big thing. Elite oh, yeah. teams. And then, of course, Pathfinders. Yeah, I I think locally at our tournaments, we've had Blooded or Blooded just won the last one for the first in the dark outing. Right up against uh, Breachers in second, and then I think third, what was third place? I don't remember who third was, but first and second were Blooded and Breachers. I think the week or the month before, we had Intercession in second. Let me pull up the tournament results because I, I can actually give you the all our local tournament results since March. All right. So 
in September, we had oh Pathfinders, Intercession Squad, and then Intercession Squad. So a good amount of good amount of chunky boys. In September, we had. Oh, yeah. oh wait, hold on. That's August. We in August we had Commandos, Novitiates, and Phobos. Phobos, wow. Yeah. In July, we had Pathfinders, Corsairs, and Commandos. That feels correct. Yep, yep. And then in are June, these all the same players, or no? Are we they... have a good spread of players coming oh, in. And out. Yeah, I have like a there's like a plaque in our in our shop that has like the monthly winners, like the top spot since March. And then hopefully when we get to next March, we can take that plate off, give it to the person, and add in a new merch plate. Yeah, June we That's had awesome. veteran guard, pathfinders, orc commandos. So yeah, there's a pretty good spread of players and skill levels and everything actually. So it's a fun tournament scene. Huh. I like that a lot. It feels very healthy. It's gonna keep. Yeah, growing. we we have a lot of people rotate in and out. I do think that you know we've had a couple more pathfinders recently, but now that we're on in the dark, I would expect that pathfinders kind of are not that good for a little bit. Granted, the New York Open is going to be open into In the Dark, similar to the Chicago Open stuff. So we'll see. We'll see who emerges on top there. I do feel yeah. like Breachers should be should be really good. I've been very impressed after reading the rules. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty fascinating out here. Uh, we actually don't have any blooded players. Um, I think we've had one at one of the events at our at a recent game. And he was uh, from out of state, right? Yeah, he was from Arizona. Uh, and then. We've generally had the same people going to a lot of our tournaments, and the general result has been uh, Alex Squires or Chris Bearded pretty much taken first. So Hunter Clade and Pathfinders, they're both really good players. So it's harder for other people to break into the pack, but there's a couple people that are are starting to get there, like Anthony. He's one one of the recent players out here was uh kind of started off lower in the packs and he's gotten all the way up to third quite consistently with Wormblade. So it's quite even, impressive. Even Corsairs are making it up now. They've been hitting like oh, yeah. third and fourth consistently. Yeah, we yeah. had a we had a Corsairs player from New New Jersey, Matt, who I used to talk mad shit to about Corsairs. But you know, he showed up and he got he went three zero, only losing to Pathfinders in the fourth fourth round final. So Yeah. And then, you know, we had Blooded coming in the dark, Nestor who I think his first tournament, let me see. His first tournament result was probably like zero games won. See, I definitely thought they were going to be like a sleeper, blooded for sure. I was worried people are going to play them ranged, but I'm I, I'm hoping people are playing them in close combat because I feel I like think, that's where they shine. I think on In the Dark, they're definitely more of a melee-centric team. And like they're, they're good. I feel like they got better because of that. Oh, no, actually, so Nestor's first tournament, he got two wins on Legionary. Is that right? Because I have like all the tournament results in hand, but he he's been doing pretty good, and he switched to blooded. He switched to blooded for fun, but on in the dark, you know they they've got some good strands on in the dark. Having lots of replaceable melee dudes is good when all the rooms are tight quarters. Exactly, absolutely. Uh, it's it's fascinating. Um, we're going to be having our first couple into the dark partials coming up, um, and then but LVO is all going to be all open board, so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the packet uh, plays um, comparatively to, you know, a few of the past and uh, some other things. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, how about uh, you tell us a little bit more about the New York Open? Uh, yeah, so the New York Open is a thing that me and my team, the Brooklyn Rats, my Kill Team Open teammates are throwing in Brooklyn. Um, we're running it at the Green Room, which is 
close to the F and G lines, if I remember correctly, out in Park Slope. So it should be a nice venue. We've got room for 60 people. We've got a two-day tournament, a GT, with uh, three rounds on open, three rounds on in the dark, basically on Saturday and Sunday. And then the Saturday, we're going to have a narrative for both days. The Saturday narrative is titled Claustrophobia, and then the Sunday narrative is titled The Hunt. And they're both going to be using unique rules, accelerated narrative stuff, and they should be fun for a more casual, more silly, you know, silly experience. And those, oh, yeah. I think the, the narrative tickets are like $44, and then the GT is like $70. Okay. Yeah. For two days, and, that's not bad. Yeah. 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 And, you know, we have lots of experience running the tournaments here. So, yeah. And also, I guess one of the big selling points is all the terrain is going to be unique for the mission. So, one of the things that I don't super like is because this game is so ter- terrain dependent. When you have static terrain setups and like the missions rotate around the terrain, I feel like some of the missions end up with weird like externalities that aren't great. So I think there's a lot of like kill valleys that end up happening. So generally what we do is we just rotate people through all the different missions. So we're just going to set up a bunch of different missions and then all the terrain is going to be built or laid onto the board for those missions. So it's not going to be static. And that way people can... Everyone gets to play a game where the terrain actually feels like it matters for that mission rather than like you get there and there's like, oh, I can like see into my opponent's entire back line because we're playing diagonal deployments, you know, like that's not. Yeah, I know what you mean on that. Uh, Are you guys going to have any sort of a packet coming out for the New York Open this year? Uh, We never I never do terrain before the day before. So there's like a historical log of what the terrain looks like, but I don't show the terrain like you get there and it's all fresh. So it's very much on a come here, play and everything will be different every time. (laughs) Uh, So what made you want to run the New York Open? Did you just want to like get like a whole group of people to finally show up into one big place since you have a whole bunch of players out there? I think for us, it was that we keep traveling to all these other places. Like we've gone to Atlantic city, we've gone to Baltimore, we've gone to DC, but like New York is a kind of like a travel destination on its own. Right. So if we come to New York, we can go grab food in the area. It's really cool. It's nice to have everything in walkable distance. We've got the subway. If people want to like go do things afterwards. And if you want to travel beforehand or after, it's a good way to like bookend having like a tournament. So kind of like how I went to Chicago, I was in Chicago for a week to like work and then I did the tournament at the end. So New York is kind of also in that range. I'm finding that's a trend for a lot of uh, older players is they they're usually out for work or something and then like, well, you know, it's also here so I may as well line this up and I like that that's becoming the trend for all yeah, of us I mean, out here. New York is a New York is a fun place, so it's just another reason for us to try to run something in the area. So that's our that's the mission statement. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. About time, you know. We need to have more bigger stuff out there. Yeah, we were like, it's New York. Why are we going out to Baltimore? We already have the cool city. We just gotta, we just gotta run the tournament. Uh, so, what are your ambitions for running future events? Taking it one thing at a time. We have the the monthly that I do at my local <laughs> shop, which is great. And if anyone here is in that area wants to do a local that's a little bit more casual than New York Open. Feel free to come down. It's the first Saturday of every month, loosely. So I think the one in December is December 3rd. And we have a lot of new players come through. I've had four. I, actually, this last tournament, we had four players I've never met come in for that tournament. And they had a great time, even if they lost every round. 
So, because <laughs> honestly, if you come in with the mindset of like, I just want to play, meet other people who are having fun, like the tournaments are great. So that's one thing that I would definitely suggest is go out to your local tournaments, just make friends because, you know, we're playing Warhammer. A lot of people who play this game, not maybe not the most popular people growing up. It's not really like the most cool thing to do, but it's nice to meet other other people with the same hobby. Those like-minded individuals, man. Yeah. It's it's really nice to just be in a room where everyone's like in the in the zone with the game. Even if you're like struggling, you can always ask for the TO for help. And that is definitely something that we strive for at our tournaments. I think it's very good. Do you plan on going to other games as well? Or are you just going to kind of focus with Kill Team? Actually, my primary game before all of this kicked off was Magic the Gathering, like limited. So I mostly did Ooh. that for a long time. So I play it a I've been playing Magic since I was a kid. Like before Warhammer started, it was Magic the Gathering. But right now, I'm doing a lot of this organizing stuff, so I don't get to play nearly as much, which sucks. But Dominaria United is really fun. I've played a good amount of it, and it's great. And I, yeah, Limited is where my my Magic the Gathering heart is, and it's definitely helped in this game because it allows me to like internalize all of the rules very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think the draft format is probably one of the better ones. It's the the most raw things like that, and it re- you're right. It really does help you think on the fly, like what to do, because you don't have the best cards for the strategy, you know, something like that. Yeah, and I've already been like, I guess one of the other things, if you want to be really, really competitive, it's good to start thinking about things in terms of uh, probability space. And Magic: The Gathering is the same thing, where it's like, I have four good cards, and I have twenty cards left. I have a one in five chance. Like, I have three draws to fish my way out. So. You can kind of will like, I, will I get my bomb? Yeah, exactly. You can like loosely calculate those things. So it's a, it, the skill transferred over and it's definitely helped. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, do you like the new Magic the Gathering sets? Did you pick any up? I actually did. Yeah. I bought a new, <laughs> I bought the whole set of the yeah, Warhammer. Let's yeah. Go. I don't know when I'm going to play them, but I did like, they are really cool. Like, I was kind of uncertain, you know, with the Silent King reveal, like nobody, that card is kind of garbage. However, Trey's in the infinite. That's a, that's a sick ass commander. That's the one where he sacrifices a creature for mana, right? No, Trey's in the infinite is, um, he has the ability of every artifact and artifact in the graveyard. graveyard. Yeah. So you can just like casually go infinite, which is, which is funny. But like the Silent King is, he's like a four mana, three, five flyer. When he like goes to attack, he like mills some cards and you, you take a card and put it in your hand. Like, Come on, guys. Like this right. is... it's just all right because it's yeah, you're not just, jumping fast enough. Yeah, he's too safe. And then you have cards like a like the miracle. The miracle sisters are really cool. I think. Yeah, the card designs are cool. Like the Tyranids. I think the Tyranids got previewed. I was like, this is this is sick. Like they got it, they hit it pretty hard. They don't yeah. have a whole lot of removal, but in the deck overall, it plays like I would expect it to be big monsters. And yeah, yeah. Like flavor wise, I think they hit it out of the park. So while Magnus might not be good in the context of that deck magnus is a cool dude by himself so right if you play it on his red blue yeah and then like the keller morph the yeah the keller morph is really cool he's like a ping general with ward so flame jab looks really fun (laughs) use general man that's an old school term there you go yeah i mean people people use commanders now (laughs) i like general though back in my day was we called it general (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so one of my uh, my favorite deck is the Imperial deck, and uh, the only card art that I do not like is the Assault Intercessor. So ninety nine cards, I really like all of the art, and I thought that they hit my favorite 
character in the Imperium out of the park. Uh, I really liked uh, Eisenhorn's card. So, oh yeah, yeah, Eisenhorn's card is pretty cool. Slick, yeah. It's a slick Getting set, a... man. And then you know all those future releases. I'm sure they'll have more crossovers because this is probably going to do really well. Uh, oh anyways, hell yeah, it is. Uh, back to the topic of kill team, since that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we will. it's a long tangent. Uh, I saw some of your ads on Facebook. If I if I remembered right, or was I seeing it? On yeah, Facebook? yeah. There there should be. Hopefully, the ad is making it onto War Gamers around. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this: you chose the right one because it, it got into my feed. So I was like, all right, this is this is where it's at. Like I'm seeing it now, so that's a good sign. Good, good. Are you, good, are yeah. you mostly just doing um, Facebook advertisements, or do you have at other places as well, just like in local stores? Uh, we have a couple flyers out in the area. We're doing, obviously, I'm like out on Reddit, and I think there should be a Goonhammer article coming out relatively soon about Ch- the Chicago Open like battle report and kind of like thought process. So doing the push, we'll see if we can get everyone. I, I think if we got everyone from the New York City area that I know of, it's like 40 people by by itself. So we're really just trying to see if we can get people outside of the outside of like the circle that I already know. So that's what we're that's what we're aiming for. That is by far the hardest part. Uh, I know for the All Valley Team Tournament that we're running out here, we're sitting at about 36 people. And we have gotten a couple people like from outside of our area to come very, very luckily. Um, but I definitely know how hard that is because I spend eight hour days sometimes just calling game stores joining discords and just trying to trying to get the word out you know like i i definitely feel the struggle in in the organizing and trying to get the word out to these players uh, because the kill in my in my view the the kill team community is really fractured because of covid and it's we just kind of got to figure out a way as a community just to really start bringing everyone just together and yeah uh, i think at least in like the the traveling areas i think it'd be it would be nice if there was a little bit more. It was a little bit more cohesive. It is. It definitely 100%. is a struggle sometimes. Like the New York Open stuff. Like I know we have enough people in New York. It's just making sure everyone has the time. But for anyone here who hasn't been to a store before, I don't. I don't know how many people that would that would be because I assume the Venn diagram of listening to podcasts but never been to a store is probably kind of low. <laughs> yeah, be my guess. But if you're on the fence, I would heavily suggest getting out to your local game store. Generally. In all of my known experiences, it's been a good time nowadays. So it's great. Talking to other people who share your hobbies is great. And I feel like the Kill Team group is like more chill than the 40K group from what I've By seen and heard. By far. From the 40K guys that I know at this job. I mean, when we go to 40K tournaments in general, we're placing like mid-tier to low. So everyone we meet is pretty chill. But I've had some friends who've gone to top tables and they go, yeah, everyone's very cutthroat to the point where you can almost hear an argument happening. And then the TO has to come in and be like, what's going on? Kind of thing. So yeah, so definitely in all the ones I've played out here, I've never really had an issue for Kill Team. Yeah, yeah. From what I can tell, the Chill Team... Chill Team, there you go. Chill Team is a Chill Team, let's go. The player community for the most part. Ooh. Well, yeah. That's what I'm going to call it for now on Chill Team. I love chill that. Team. It's a chill great, team open. Great. See, see, yeah. There you go. CTO. <laughs> <laughs> there, was actually a, there was actually a podcast from like the early days of Kill Team 18. Did you guys ever listen to it? Um, Named chill Team from like some really? guys in London. Yeah. They, they stopped doing it. I don't know what they're doing now, but it was definitely there at the beginning because I used to listen to them and they were just a, a Kill Team podcast back in the day. Well, with Rising Heat's no longer chill team. It's uh, lukewarm yeah. team, maybe. 
Yeah, the only one I really remember from back in the day is Fly By Nights. Uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, there's not there's not a ton of like very, very competitive podcast content. It's just hard. It, it's hard it can be, yeah. Right yeah. But yes. I'm, I'm glad that everyone wants to at least listen to competitive. Because, you know, I still listen to competitive things for all the other games I play, and I don't compete in them at all. It's just it's good to hear, you know. It's fun to listen. Yeah, it's nice to hear what the meta is doing without you. Yep, just uh, it still feels good that it's that it's alive and that it's healthy. Well, thank you uh, for coming on. Did you want to go ahead and tell anybody about your stuff and where they can find you? Yeah, so I've got a team that's helping to, helping me to run the New York Open. It's the Brooklyn Rats on Instagram. I think if anyone is in the wargaming community maybe your instagrams have been getting ads for the new york open if you're in the northeast please drop by be great to have you guys the narratives are going to be way more chill way more unique you i've had a lot of experience running narratives i've been doing it literally since the beginning of the the game drop so we had a narrative where we had an eversur assassin at the the core of a space hole pop out and murder some people so we've got some experience doing some unique stuff there were, you might have seen a picture on Reddit of a long trench battle that was also us. So the New York Open's got two days of competitive sweaty gaming and two days of narrative campaigns that will be fully unique, unlike anything you've ever done. Gotta love that on, sweat. That's on November 12th and 13th, November 12th right? to 13th, yep. That's and awesome. we have a hotel block, so if that's a thing that's keeping you back, we do have a slightly reduced rate at a Holiday Inn nearby. So That's an important one too, man. Place to stay. Well, you can always find us over out here in SoCal or for anyone who's out in Northeast, you know, go go ahead and support them over there or at least go to, to try out the events for the first time, you know, have a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're in the Northeast or New York, haven't been out, come to the Brooklyn Strategist. We've got Kill Team, 40K, AOS, Warcry, <laughs> Underworlds, all the games. So that's been my home shop and it's probably going to remain my home shop. So it's a great shop. The last thing that uh, I would like to shout out is the upcoming tournaments, which would be for the West Coasters, which would be uh, SCO, um, which is a SoCal Open coming up down in San Diego. We have the All Valley Team Tournament. And finally, LVO. Everyone start practicing and prepping for whoever wants to go because it should be pretty big this year. LVO is January? In January, January, I think 28th through the 30th or 27th through the 29th or something. It's coming up real soon. I think the oh, tickets God. are available for sale, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah on FLG's website. Nice. And it, you're going to be using your newer Octarius-style terrain, I assume? I, sh- I sure am. Uh, I designed that, and we've been playtesting it. And SEO is either going to be f- further playtesting it, and then as long as we maintain 36, and if we get even more, that should be easily over 200 games of more practice yeah on those layouts so if there is any kind of things that are iffy or wonky about the terrain i'll be able to fix it before then so it's going to be quite exciting and quite fun i plan to really make a really robust and fair packet for almost every team that's that's my goal you know yeah. uh, of course when i designed the packet uh the intercessors auspex wasn't out but hey you know <laughs> Yeah, that made map five really difficult. So yeah, I, that's would, gonna... <laughs> I would be worried about using too much obscurity as the primary defensive measure nowadays because uh, yep. we've got Omni Specs, Auspexes, Krarskin probably looks like they're going to get an Auspex. Birds. So, yeah, birds, we've got birds. We've got stuff. all sorts of stuff. So just be, <laughs> I would definitely have a fully occluding terrain scattered about nowadays. I think exactly. one thing that I was missing at Chicago. So Chicago was four pieces of Octarius with two things on top and then they 
didn't have any other vantage points. So I would at least have three vantage points that are accessible. And one of them can be, I've always liked the containers, like somewhere in the middle, because it's a vantage uh-huh. point that everyone can see. But, you know, you're going to get shot if you stand on top of the vantage point, right? So like it forces people to play around it. And it's useful to have vantage points like in central areas if it's risky. So that would be my maybe my suggestion. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll send you guys out uh, a terrain set so that if you guys ever want to practice on my terrain specifically, you know, you guys can, you guys I mean, can we'll, do that. You'll, it'll get use. If you send us a terrain set, it'll get oh, use in yeah. this shop. Like it'll be, it'll be in all the archive pictures. So yeah, there we go. Uh, I'll send it out to you guys and you know, we'll all have fun. Whoever shows up to LVO, whoever goes to New York open, you know, everyone come out and have some fun, play some chill team and uh, yeah, we'll just have a blast. Yeah. Well, all right. Thanks for coming on. Once we're done. <laughs> all right. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Travis. I really Catch appreciate you. you. Catch you all in the next one, guys. <laughs>